Awesome, guys. You guys have a good time? Have a good, awesome. I, you know, I, I, I pulled the anchor here just because Eba was worried about before lunch. The last one um, has to figure out what to say that everyone else hasn't said on the particular passage that we're looking at. And so I've been uh, given that task and I, I, I um, man, what, what, a, what a great conference, wasn't it? What, what, what a, just, guys, the things that we've already taken in have um, kind of laid a foundation for, for us as men. And uh, I, I'm, my prayer is to somehow tie that all together and then challenge us as men to, uh, to take that outside of this room back into our communities. And I know for, for, for some of us, it's, you know, Farmington and, and Las Cruces and Silver and, you know, all the other, uh, all, all the way to El Paso and, you know, just all the other places represented here that you would go back into your community, into your church, into your home, into your family and, and begin to not just say, hey, I had a good, a good Saturday. I took in a lot of good information, but now I'm, I'm taking this and I'm beginning to, to live it and, and, and apply it to my life. And uh, that, that's, that's the intent, that's the prayer for all of this. And so that's, that's open in a word of prayer. So ask the Lord to bless our, our time here. And let's this, this, uh, this, this, this ask him. Father, we come to you this day. Lord, I, I know that, uh, God, you've spoken, Lord, clearly to many of our hearts. Lord, you've said some very specific things, Lord, to us that we know that Lord, we, we, we got to leave this place and, and, Lord, make some changes. Lord, set up different priorities. Lord, uh, our homes, our marriages, our lives. Lord, our priorities. I pray, God, that, Lord, as we just wrap all of this up, God, that you would meet us in this place. That you would give us, God, your heart. And that, God, you would um, just, Lord, empty Anything that's left in us, God, that's of us. And that, God, you would fill it, God, with you and your power, your spirit. And, God, we ask, God, for you to just do that right now. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Open up your Bibles to Titus chapter 2 once again. We've taken that as our, as our theme text. And I want to kind of lay a little bigger uh, foundation of that, really looking further uh, in chapter one of the book of Titus, just to kind of set up the, the whole um, picture for us. Titus was one of Paul's uh, disciples. It was, uh, he called him a son in the faith. Uh, him and Timothy were both uh, young men that, that Paul had taken under his wing. Timothy seemed to be the more timid of the two. He, uh, Paul would write, write to Timothy in his first and second epistle, and he was he was he was trying to get him to be a little more a little more aggressive, a little more a little more um, uh, uh, confident. Thank you. That's a good word. Confident. Titus. It seems that that Titus was 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 the, the more uh, the confident of the two. He was, he was the, the the tougher guy in the group. And, and go, go back to chapter, chapter 1, verse 5, and just kind of watch how this plays out. Watch what he says. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking 
and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Now, notice, notice what, what, what Paul is in telling to here's, here's why I'm writing this letter. This is why you're in Crete right now. He says, no, number one, I want you to set things in order. There, there's some things that were out of order. And, and now, now Titus is coming in, and he's trying to put some order to the, to the body of Christ that was in Crete. And it wasn't one church. He was to... Uh, appoint elders in every city and the different churches throughout Crete. So he, he, wasn't, he was kind of on, on a bigger scale trying to bring order. That, you know, that, that, that's a tough job for any man, right? Just to, to go in, not, not just saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of care for this one particular flock, but I'm going to help set in order this whole region that, that I've been entrusted and so Paul reminds him, hey, this is why you're there, Titus. This, this, this is what you've been appointed to do. This is the orders that I've given you. And it's so that you would go and, and establish order in, in this region. Now, no, notice what it says in verse 6. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. Be hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just and holy and self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convict those who contradict. What, 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 a, what a list. He says, these, these, these are the characteristics of the men that you're going to put in those positions of elder. And I'm convinced of this, guys. I, I, have you guys ever re read, um, uh, forget, Gene Getz, thank you, his book um, on, on the pastoral epistles. And one of the things Gene said in that book that just hit me, and I, and I, and I I, I think it's, it's, it, it was profound because he, what, what Gene gets starts looking at all the characteristics of, 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 you know, this list here. But one of the things he said, he says, look, this is the characteristics that every Christian man should possess. This, is, this, isn't, just, uh, this isn't just for pastors to possess these, these characteristics. This is what every Christian man should possess. And if a uh, pastor doesn't even meet those qualifications how can he lead God's people right so so you look at that list you go oh he's talking about bishops here he's talking about you know the pastor the assistant pastors the the, the elders in the church no he's talking what every Christian man should look like and if you don't possess those characters how can you lead them and guys that that's a characteristics that, that you and I have been called to follow, that we hold to Christian character. And here's the kicker, man. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, for there are many who are insubordinate, idle talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, watch this, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gains. In other words, there was a lot of, uh, of, of shysters there there was a lot of guys that were just playing the game for what they were going to get out of it they, they they didn't have they didn't possess the character they were just trying to put on a show and and then and then he says this and and here's 
Here, here's where, where I really want to, want to kind of pull this together. Look what he says in verse 12. One of them, their own prophet, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. And what, what Paul is, is telling young Titus, he says, look, Titus, here, here, here's, here's your job, man. You're, you're, you're to take the culture in Crete and you're to raise the standard for the men that are in that community. Because Cretans had a reputation. Do you realize as Americans there's a reputation that you and I possess? The rest of the world looks at us and you, you, know, you know what? They, they think we're a bunch of spoiled, lazy, hamburger-eating. Babies. <laughs> when the rest of the world thinks of Americans, that, that, that's what they think of. Because we've been handed everything with spoiled little brats. Everything we had, was it Pastor Sean that was sharing earlier? We're the most wealthiest nation in the world and, and all of us are rich compared to world standards, all of us. And we've been given the reputation of being lazy gluttons. That, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty sad picture for any culture, isn't it? Us as men, you know, that bunch of lazy gluttons. They, they like to lie around and just eat. Now, now here, here's, here's where I want to go with this, man. As we look at this passage, we look, look, look at chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. I know you heard it all day long. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. Likewise, he was talking to the ladies, how the ladies were to be living their lives, you know, what, what their priorities were. Now he says, now, likewise, men, exhort the men, the young men, to be sober-minded. Now, that, that word to exhort, you, you, that, that, that is the word parakleo. That's where we get the word Paracletus, the Holy Spirit, who comes to our aid and our side to help us be the men that we're supposed to be. And now he's asking us as men who have the Holy Spirit to take the young men and come alongside them and to encourage them to be the men that God's called them to be. And so you've been called, man, to come alongside young men and to pour your life into them pour your heart into them, to pour the things God's shown you and you're to take that and you're to pour it into those that, that, that are younger than you. And, and for some of you guys in your 80s and 70s and 60s, that means taking some of the third, 20, you know, 40 and 50 and 30 and 20 year olds and pouring what, the wisdom that you've obtained in those years that you've had into their lives. And then you in your 20s and 30s taking some of the teenagers and pouring what you got into their lives. Because you're to be serving one another. And his ex exhortation was, you're, you're teaching them to be sober-minded. Sober-minded. That, that, that you would have to write to men 
to tell young men to be sober-minded in the church. And do you realize that's a culture that you and I are living in right now? Our young men, our own sons, our own daughters, man, are, are, are the ones that are getting caught up in drinking, drugging, and partying. And they, 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 they need someone to walk alongside them and, and, and help them to be sober-minded. That word sober-minded is an interesting word. It says curbing one's desires or impulses to help towards self-control or to be temperate. Curbing one's desires and impulses. And so he's asking the young, the older man to help come alongside and, 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 and reason to, to help curb the, the, the impulses that we have as young men. That's discipleship, man. That, 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 that's what being a disciple is all about. You know, I was, I was reading uh, um, an article just last night. I got home last night. I was going to go in, going through some of the, the news and stuff. And, and this was an article. And Iran, and Mike was sharing, Iran, there, there is a revival taking place in Iran. There, there are people coming to faith by the thousands in Iran. I, I was, one of the gentlemen here, Greg, was telling me that in, he, has, he has a website kind of all, all about God and, and they, they kind of, you know, reach across the globe and, and answering questions uh, on the internet about, about faith and about God and about Jesus and you know, this whole thing. And he says many of the questions coming from, uh, from the Muslim countries. And so, so there's, there's something happening, guys, in, in that realm. Th- this article, it was actually on Fox News. You might get a chance to, to look it up. But they were talking about how many women are coming to faith in Iran. And it's, it's, it's in the masses. And here's what one of the women wrote in, in, in this article. She goes, we want to make disciples. We want, we, our goal is not to have converts. We want to make disciples of Jesus. And this is what she said. Disciples forsake the world and cling to Jesus till he comes. Converts don't. Disciples aren't engaged in cultural war. Converts are. Disciples cherish and obey and share the word of God. Converts don't. Disciples choose Jesus over everything and anything else. Converts don't. Converts Run from the fire. Disciples don't. And she, what, what, she goes in that article and she says, man, we're seeing disciples being made and we're willing to die for our faith. And if they catch us, we're going to be raped and we're, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to be killed and they're, they're going to humiliate us before they kill us. And she says, you know what? I would rather do that than to live a life apart from Jesus. These are women living in Iran, knowing that at any moment, man, their door can be busted down and they could be abused and taken advantage of because they put their faith in Jesus Christ and they're still willing to do it. And, and one of the things that, that Paul is writing, he says, look, man, you, as, as Christian men, no matter what our culture, Christians were a bunch of glutton wicked, evil men. He says, but let me tell you something, you guys are different than that. That's not you, church. That's not you, men of God. You're to be different than the rest of this world. 
You're to be, you're to be transformed from everything that this world, and, and the, you know, again, I, I, again, repeating everything, but, but, but think about this. If, if, if 100 men, if 12 men in, in the time of Jesus turned the world upside down, as, as Sean was, was quoting that we're, if I had 100 men that were on fire for the Lord, we, we, can, we can turn the whole world upside down. And we got 300, over 300 men here. Man, what, what, what could we do, man? If every one of us said, you know what? I, I'm tired of playing games. I want to get in the fight. I, 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 want, I want to count the cost. I want to be the man that God has called me to be. Because let me tell you something, man. This world, if you, if, if you, if you engage it, man, it, it, it will corrupt you. It will corrupt you. Remember, remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? And it tells us a lot as he was hanging out in Sodom and Gomorrah, he didn't participate in all of their evil, but he was corrupted by the evil that was around him. And his own family didn't even take him serious when he tried to warn them to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. It tells us in, in, in 2 Peter 2, in verse 6, it says, and turning the, the, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterwards would live ungodly. And then he says this, and he delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Isn't that a crazy passage. He says, "Look, he, he, he wasn't he wasn't doing the the lawless deeds. He was just seeing it and hearing it every day, and because of it, he tormented his righteous soul." I, I'll tell you what. I, I, you read the story of Lot. I read the story of Lot, and I go, I, th "That's not a righteous guy." He kept choosing. Every choice he made was what was for his own benefit, over Abraham. Look, there's the green grass. I'm going to go to the green grass. Look, there's a lot of wealth in Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to go hang out outside the city gates. And then you find him inside the city gates. And he had advanced himself in, in, as a place of priority because he was not only inside the city gates, but that's where the judges were. And so he, he was successful in that arena. And, and what we find out later is that he was tormenting his righteous soul by being there because he was seeing and hearing all the things. And that's why you and I are to be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. What's your mind? The things that you see and the things that you hear. And you've got to renew your mind. And we've, 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 you know, all day heard, man, the word of God. How important is the word of God in the life of the godly Christian, the godly man? And there's, there's one, one, one area that, that as, you're, as you're looking at this, this whole picture, Titus is telling these men, look, don't be like the Cretans that you're in. You're to, you're to be active. And, and, and Pastor Sean hit that great, the good works, right? We're to be doing good works. And, and I, I think he, he nailed something there. I think, I think every one of us need to take that to account. But they, they, let me just walk you through this in, in the book of Titus. Well, watch this. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Watch this. Zealous for good works. Did you, did you realize that you were redeemed 
and purified so that you can be zealous for good works? That, that, that's, that was the reason you're saved, not, not just to go to heaven, is that God has a plan for your life here and he wants you to do those good works actively in the, in, in the culture that you and I are in? Look, look, look at chapter three, verse one. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities and to obey and to be ready for every good work. He, he's laying out for us uh, uh, that, that somehow this idea of good works is, is to be part of our Christian life, our Christian activity. It's tied, Titus 3.8, watch this. The, the whole book, man, look, 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 look at chapter 3, verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Interesting. He says, it's not just doing good works. This should be something you're maintaining good works. It's something that, that you're actively participating in. And then there in verse 14 of chapter 3, he says this, and let our people also learn to maintain good works, to, ur to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. And somewhere along the line, Titus equates, look, if you're not out there actively serving, doing good works, man, you're not actively, you know, engaging in your faith and, 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 and pouring into others and living your life with that purpose, he says, you become an unfruitful man. You become someone that, that's, that's unfruitful. In, in other words, you're not producing anything. But I, 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 I want us I I to close here. And, and we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to tie all this in, in the book of Revelation chapter 2. Because even though we're doing all the good works, even though we, we, we follow all those things that we've been looking at, incorruptibility and doctrine and reverence and all of the, 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 the characters that, that he's already laid out for us. This is what's interesting. The church of Ephesus, 40 years after Paul had wrote the letter to the, to the Ephesians, a church that was, that was a, 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 a model church, a church that, that was active, a church that was working, a church that was, that was pure, and, and you, look, you look at this, there's something that transpired in the church of Ephesus in that 40-year period. And, and that, that, that gets my attention because, you know, I'm 26 years into ministry here. This church is in 26 years into existence. And I'm going, man, at 40 years, these guys went from being one of the most faithful, active churches, the, the most effective churches in, in, in all the land, and then now Jesus has something that he's going to rebuke them for. And, 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 and that just kind of just makes me think, man, how quickly can a church go from being a, a, an effective ministry to, to just a machine? Now, watch what he says in chapter 2. This, this begins there in verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, none other than Jesus. He says, I know your works your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. 
You persevered, you have patience, have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. As I, 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 nothing more I want than those kind of commendations for the church that I pastor. There's nothing more I'd want than, than, than for someone to go and say, hey, you, you, you guys are working and laboring. And, and you know what's interesting? He, he's saying you, you guys are working and you're doing good works. That's the church of Ephesus. They were doing good works. Commendable. Commendable. No, notice the second thing he says there. You cannot bear those who are evil. Incorruptible. They, they, didn't, they weren't swayed. He says, you, you guys can't even bear those who are evil. There was incorruption, you know, kind of ingrained inside of this church. They were doing good works. They, they were incorruptible. And then they were holding on to doctrine. Did you notice what he said? You tested those who say that they're apostles and not, and you have found them liars. Why? Because they were matching what they were declaring with the word of God. And they said, you know what? What's happened is, is that there's been a, a, a discrepancy. Therefore, you guys are false prophets. You guys are lying. That's doctrine. And I, I, I tell you, it's... it's, 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 it's Terry shared, you and I need to be men who um, know what we believe. We need, we, need, we, need to know, we need to know truth. There's a lot of deception, guys, in our culture right now. There are a lot of that are claiming to be something that they're not. And they're teaching things that aren't lining up with God's word. And, and you and I need to, need, need to be Bereans. We need to be knowing, hey, the, the, you, know, I'm, you can tell me all you want, but I'm going to go and check it and make sure it lines up with what God says. And I, I tell my, the, the, the fellowship here, man, if I say something that doesn't line up with this, guess who's wrong? It's me, not God's word. And you and I need, need to be knowing. And I, lo- I love that he says to this church, you guys have tested those who claim to be apostles. And you found them to be liars. That means they were checking what was being declared with their mouths, what, what, what God declared in his word. And then notice what he said there in verse three. He says, you've persevered, you've had patience. I, I think everything that, that Ebo shared with us, you know, perseverance, not, not, not wavering. And then he says, and you've labored, watch this, for my name's sake. I, I, I would say that's reverence. I'm laboring for the name of Jesus. Because I reverence who he is. I reverence what he's done for me. I respect what he's declared, right? And, and, and you come to this church and you would look at that and you go, man, everything we just looked at in the book of Titus, chapters uh, 2, 6, and 7, these, this church was doing it. This church was actively doing it. Good works, incorruptibility, doctrine, reverence. These guys would, would be on, on any, any uh, you know, model of what a church should look like. They're the center of the community. They, 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 they were making things happen, laboring their hearts out, and it was all for the name of Jesus. But there's an interesting rebuke in verse 4 because Jesus says, nevertheless, nevertheless, even though you're doing all of those things, I have this 
against you. You have left your first love. And what he's saying is that you're doing all of it, but you're just doing through the motions, man. You're doing all of it because you know it's right, but it, it, it's not out of love that you're doing it. You're, you're doing it out of, out of obligation. You're doing it out, out, out of rote. You're just doing it because that's what, what, what you've always done. And, and, and that wasn't good enough for Jesus, guys. He wants you to do what you do because you love him. He wants you to do what you do, not because your wife asks you to do it, not, not because you're, you know, your 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 friend, that's what, what all your, your your friends do. It's because that's that's where my 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 uh, social life kind of revolves around. Be, that, that, you know, I just I just do what I God, God wants you to do it because you love him. Because of what he's done for you. I, I love him because he first loved me. Right? Is, isn't that the picture here? And he paid the price. You see, I, I, I know, I know where, where I should be, man. I know. I, I, I grew up at the age of 13, started smoking pot. My, my dad got me high the very first time. I, you want to talk about an example? The first time, I, the first time I, I got high, I was with my dad in the back bathroom. And let me tell you how it happened, man. I was telling him that Jesus is coming back and he needed to get ready. And he says, your mom's brainwashing you, boy. Come here. And he got me high. And for the next 10 years of my life, man, drugs, alcohol, sexual morality, every kind of perversity, you know, just wicked, you know, and, and, and I, I look at that now and, and, and I, I, I know where I should be, man. I should be dead or I should be in jail right now. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, he pulled me out of that. I, can, I, I remember like it was yesterday, it was like God spoke to my heart, man, and I remember that day saying, God, I'm done, you got me, man, everything, everything I have don't matter anymore. I'll even move to Belen. <laughs> Serious, I mean, that, that's, I, I, that, was, that was my greatest fear. If I ever get saved, God's gonna send me to Belen. I was willing to be a missionary. Africa sounded good. But then I get saved and, and, and God begins to put a burden to go to Belen of all places, man. Born here, family here. And, and you know, I, I joke about Belen all the time. Let me tell you something, man. There's no place I would rather be than right here because this is where God's called me. And man, I, let, let me just say, man, we're living in days that are perilous. We're living in times, man, that I, I, I don't know what it's gonna look like five years from now, two years from now, next year. Our, our world is changing rapidly. The, the, the threat of war in the Middle East is, is it's, it's just going to take one, one spark, and, and we, we can see all. We, we were, I was talking in the back with Mike and 
some of the guys back there and, and you know, what, what, what's the, the third temple? The, 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 I mean, they, they're seriously pursuing a third temple right now in Israel. Seriously pursuing it. Today, as we're meeting right now, there's a conference happening by the Sanhedrin of the 70 nations that Noah had talked about in the book of Noah. And they, they're, they're actually having a conference and, and they're trying to escalate all of this stuff toward not only the temple, but what you and I know is the, the final days. And next week, and I, I believe the date had been set, Iran declared that they're doing war games off the Indian Ocean with Russia, China, and Iran. They've already made, made that declaration, and it's interesting. Iran and, and China are making alliances. But, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, Iran and Russia are making alliances, but now China is getting pulled into this whole thing. All of it, prophetic. All of it is what you and I know. Ezekiel chapter 38 has already warned us that these, these things are being set up right now. I, I'm not a prophet. I don't know what we got 10 years or 50 years or 100 years or one week or, or one day. I, I, I don't know these things. But I know Jesus says this, be ready. For you don't know when the hour is. And I, I think, man, as you look around us, man, there's, there, there should be an urgency in every one of our lives for Jesus to come back at any moment, at any moment. There's, not, there's nothing that needs to happen. I was talking to someone, someone else. They said, well, they got to build the third temple before any, any of that can happen. No, the, the, the only thing we know is in the middle of the tribulation period, three and a half years into the tribulation period, that the, they're going to be sacrificing at the temple. That's all we know. So I, I think Jesus can come back today and they can build the temple tomorrow and then everything just falls right into line. And, and what, what, what my, my prayer today, guys, is, is that maybe you've been walking with the Lord for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, maybe five or two. And, and, and at first, man, you had this zeal and this hunger and this passion. And you were just, man, God, I'll do, you know, I know what you did for me. But somewhere along the line, man, you're still doing the things, but you've left your first love. I hear it all the time. I don't love him anymore. I want a divorce. Because you can be living in the same house and something where along the line lose the passion you once had. And you could be sitting in church week after week and month after month and year after year and you can lose your first love. And my prayer, man, is before we partake of communion, before we, 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 we take this bread and this cup and we declare what Jesus has done for us, that we would take an evaluation of our own hearts. And for some of us, God, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry I left my first love. For some of us, we, we maybe just awakened today, just one of the messages, just something that God just declaredly just hits you right between the eyes, man. And, and, and you know, man, you, God is stirring you to make a change as soon as you walk out of these doors. 
And I, I'm, I'm going to ask you and to make that declaration, God, I, I, I heard you today. And I want to walk away from here, God, not, 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 just, not, not just hearing what you declared, but I, I want to walk away from here a different man with a different priority. So I'm going to ask David to come up. We're going to worship. And then I'm going to ask you, men, if you're in that place where you're saying, okay, God, I, I'm ready. I, 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 I've, I've been going through the motions. I, man, I, I, they're, they're, I, I've, been, I've been like the Christian. I've been, I've been kind of one foot in the world and one foot kind of in, in, in the church and, and one foot with a relationship. I, but you know what? I, 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 I've been playing this, this game for a long time, man. And it's time to make my choice to follow him radically. Surrender. Then here, here's, here's what I'm going to do, man. As, as we're worshiping, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Make your way right here, man. I want to pray with you guys. Just come before the altar and say, God, I, I get it. I know what you've been saying to me. I get it. And I'm ready just to, to lay it all down. And I want you to use my life. I want, to, I want to be a different man as I go forward. And Father, we ask that you would bless our, just our time as we, as we self-evaluate, Lord, as we commit, as we recommit, Lord, as we, Lord, just uh, consider, God, just where we're at. God, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit, God, would move. These men, God, that you've drawn here, that you called here today, Lord, would be sensitive. And their, their pride would not keep them from responding to what you're saying to them. So, Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to work here. That you'd bless our time here. In that last passage of Ephesians, I mean, Revelation chapter 2, Jesus tells that church, he says, you left your first love, he says, repent. He says, remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You see, the only thing Jesus was, was, was he, he made him aware of their issue, but then he says, you know what, there's got to be an action that takes place. That's what repentance is. It's an action. It's, it, it's, it's saying, I'm, I'm going to churn directions. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to go down a different path. I was going one way, and now I'm going to go the other way. And if you're, you're this evening, man, and God is telling you, what, it's time to repent. It's time to come back to your first love. I, man, I, I think there's nothing more powerful than acknowledging that and making that right and then Lord leaving it at that place and going forward and so as we worship man, as we sing man God speaking this is man man being honest and real with one another man God speaking to you come on up